Bart, I've asked you not to whistle that annoying tune. Everybody, how's it going? And welcome back once again to Simpsons is Greater Than. I hope everyone's staying safe out there, and I hope nobody missed me too much over the break. But we're back. As always, I'm your host, Warren, better known to some of you as Bart of Darkness. You might know me from my Simpsons collection over on Instagram or Twitter. Be honest, it's great, isn't it? Go ahead and say it's great if you want to. But if not, you know the deal by now. When you're done listening to this episode, or while you listen to it, I don't really care, slide on over to Bart of Darkness on either one of those, and please check out my collection. I really think you'll love it. So this week on the podcast, as we get back into the swing of things, I am joined by the creator of a fantastic YouTube channel about The Simpsons called The Real Gems. Jim has a lot of really great insight into the show, and with over 90,000 subscribers, you don't really have to take my word for it because I think his content speaks for itself. So as always, I'm going to shut my mouth. We're going to start the episode right now. Episode 38. We're back. Let's go. Yeah, it's like kind of a grind in terms of YouTube. I actually wish that I could put together a backlog of just videos where I can go on vacation and just like put them in the queue or something. But like I basically got to release whatever I'm working on because like by the time I'm done with a video, I'm just tired of looking at it and just want to like publish it at that point. Right. So like it would be so nice to just I don't even know how I'd do it, whether I would just like work myself to death for like two straight weeks and like get a couple projects in the can. I, I, I don't know. Like that would be super nice if I could get like a backlog of stuff. Yeah, I will say once you do it, it's super nice. Like I, I was like weeks ahead before I launched the podcast. I was like, oh, this is easy. And then when you get caught up, it's not so easy. Yeah. <laughs> Especially so when you're easy. dealing with like industry types with like schedules and they have production schedules they got to do. And, you know, you got to be accommodating because they're volunteering right. to do the show, you know. So, yeah, I totally understand how that is. Not like Not like I'm paying them. Um, well, you know, Jim, before we actually like formally start this podcast, I, I, I just want to ask you this because I've seen this on the internet a lot and I just experienced it and I need to share it with someone and I want to share it with my listeners too. If I leave this in the episode, Uh, have you seen the trend online with the mustard on watermelon? No, I, I have no idea what that even looks like. Okay, so, uh, and, and maybe some people listening are hearing this for the first time too, so I'm just going to tell everyone, uh, I, I am not someone who is on TikTok, that's not really my lane, uh, but you know, those videos get shared around the internet and they pop up on Instagram and any number of places, and recently someone did a video where they put yellow mustard on watermelon, and they were claiming that it was really delicious, and this led to a lot of blogs And, you know, people on the internet trying this and making videos about it. And, you know, I love watermelon. I like to put salt on melon. Like I like salt on, you know, uh, cantaloupe and watermelon and things like that. And that's sort of a Southern thing. But, you know, so I thought maybe this will be good. I'm I'm really curious. I'm really interested. So I got some watermelon. I put some mustard on it. And I'm happy to report to you and to everyone listening. It was fantastic. Wow, it really is good. It's not just a meme. It's really good, and I cannot explain why it's good. But if you're listening to this, this is just, you know, I am going to leave this in the episode. Everyone should go try mustard on watermelon. And uh, if you think I'm pranking you, I promise you I'm not. So just try it. I guess I could see, like, that the mustard, like, I guess watermelon is so, like, fruity and tart, you know, and sweet that, like, maybe the tanginess of the mustard would balance it out, I guess. You, you see, you're talking yourself into it right now, Jim. It's fantastic. I recommend it to everybody. And and if anyone thinks I'm joking, I will gladly send you a video of me eating it because I'm not kidding. Okay. <laughs> you're you're see this is part of this is part of the conspiracy though. You're gonna put on like a brave face and like smile through the pain is what's going on. 
I, I like that theory, and I wish I was that clever. Um, but Jim, seriously, uh, you know, welcome to the podcast. I want to thank you for coming on. And uh, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff based on what I've heard about you from other people that we're going to agree on. So I'm excited to uh, get into this conversation and uh, see, just see, you know, maybe we're either going to clash or we're going <laughs> to we're going to bond. So it's going to be one or the other, you know. Oh, I should start throwing out my uh, spiciest hot takes right now and see what happens. <laughs> No, save those. I actually am going to ask you about that. Um, but I, I start every episode this way, and I, it's sort of a different question now that you know things are opening back up. It's not as depressing of a question as it was early in the pandemic. How are you, sincerely? How are you? How, how are you today? How are you in life? I'm doing well. I'm like I'm living life. It's summer coming up. I've been vaccinated for about a month now. So like I I can finally leave my house again. I on Twitter oh, yeah. I posted that a uh, gif of um Mr. Plow where grandpa's like I can go outside again. Like and everybody <laughs> in my comments were saying, "Oh, I'm afraid of those teenagers, you know, and stuff." But it, it's <laughs> like I am just ecstatic to finally just be able to go out and about again. Uh this past year was driving me a little up the wall just oh, yeah. working from home and then doing YouTube from home and just like never leaving the house and sitting at my computer. So this whole like getting like some of my coworkers hate it. I have a day job in an office. Some of my coworkers hate going back to the office, but I honestly haven't minded it at least so far because it has been a nice change of pace just going somewhere else. So right. it's been really nice. I, I've been loving this. Well, it has been really hot. It's June right now. Yeah. See, I'm in Florida, so I'm not a big fan of the, of the warm weather, although I should be used to it by now. But I, I totally relate to what you're saying. Um, you know, I, I work a job and I say this a lot on the podcast where I, you know, I don't really have to be around people. So I was able to be at work, uh, through most of this, but I, but my wife, you know, she's been working from home. Uh, she's not super eager to go back. So it's gonna, you know, it's gonna take some adjusting for some people, uh, to get back into the rhythm, but you know, I hope everybody's staying safe and doing what's best and, uh, getting back into the swing. Sounds like Jim is. So I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, I've I've actually been kind of feeling like weirdly guilty in a way because for all of this past year, I've been complaining that, oh, I'm stuck in the house. I want to go out and do things. And now that I'm free, I feel like this weird pressure on the weekends that I should go outside and enjoy myself. Like, what were you complaining about during the pandemic if you don't actually if you don't actually do it now? So there is this like weird yeah. pressure to go like live your life, James, go do it right now. So <laughs> no, I, you know, I, I totally relate to that too. I mean, reentry anxiety is real, everybody. So, uh, if you know someone dealing with that, help them out. Uh, but Jim, I want to let you know that, you know, I got several messages about your channel and what you do on YouTube. I somehow over the course of the last eight years, uh, had, had only seen some of your videos in passing and I sort of missed out on a lot of it. Uh, but I got a lot of people recommending you to me, and I want to give a special shout out uh, to one of my listeners, Mike Costin, uh, who actually, uh, you know, really encouraged me to reach out to you and have you on. He's a big fan of what you do, and he thought that you would be a great guest for the podcast. So shout out to Mike. Um, tell everybody about your YouTube that might not have seen it and just sort of break it down, explain what it is and what you do over there. Okay, so um, I, well, first of all, thanks for the uh, kind introduction. <laughs> I, I feel really, uh, I feel really honored to be on this podcast. To be quite honest, because you have like Mike Scully and Bill Oakley and stuff like that on oh. there, and, and I'm just some YouTuber, you know. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I run uh, a YouTube channel called The Real Gyms. Um, it's a really terrible name for a Simpsons channel. It doesn't sound like a <laughs> Simpsons channel at all. I probably should change it. I think Google probably hates me, um, but it's basically a <laughs> channel um, about general Simpsons fan content. I do reviews of specific episodes. I do character history breakdowns where I take a look at like, like this is Mod Flanders and take a look at all of Mod Flanders appearances through the series and just kind of talk about how she developed as a character. And I just do that for various secondary characters. I also do a series called The Simpsons Mysteries, which people enjoy, which is where I just take a just a question about the series, like what is up with the Simpsons timeline or or where is Springfield located? Those are two of the most <laughs> common questions, you know, or even really granular questions about like, the plot of Bart Sells a Soul or Lisa the Iconoclast, like specific little plot questions. So that's mm. one. That's a series that I do. And then also I do uh, videos about where I do showdown episodes where I compare one episode to another and then declare one a winner. And then um, 
trying to think of all the different series that I've done. <laughs> I'm sure I'm like missing one that people are like, no, you do those videos too. I've also uh, reviewed a whole bunch of Pixar movies. I reviewed uh, the first 17 of them through um, Finding Dory. Uh, so mm. I did that for a little while. Um, oh, and Dis- Disenchantment. I remember seeing that on your channel. Oh, yes. I've done three reviews of a Disenchantment, which have been really fun to do. Uh, so, But I, I do mostly stick to Simpson stuff. The other videos are just kind of things for a change of pace, just something fun to do. Um, but it has been a really fun, like, just kind of outlet for creativity and just talk to people about the show. Because when I started the channel, there wasn't really any YouTube review like shows about the Simpsons or analysis right. stuff going on. Um, I think part of that was because Fox was really brutal about copyrighted clips. Like they would just, just destroy people yeah. uh, with taking videos down, um, which I think they've like relaxed their standards since then. And maybe Disney doesn't care as much. Disney wants to play the game. I think they're starting to realize that people who make content for the show, uh, especially when it's, you know, like what you do, or even just accounts that are posting screen grabs or just like posting, you know, thoughts about the show in any sort of like social media context. I think that keeps a show relevant. And I mean, not that the Simpsons really needs help being relevant, but I think, you know, that's just money they save on advertising. People that are putting these, you know, extensive reviews and videos together, that's just good for them. So I think they're finally realizing like, hey, we're not losing money uh, we're actually gaining money because we're letting people, you know, advertise for us through the fandom. So I think that's uh, people something people should realize. <laughs> One of my favorite comments that I get from people are people who literally tell me, hey, I haven't watched The Simpsons in like 10 years or something, um, but I just <laughs> saw this video in my recommendations. I, I don't know why they're getting recommended the video, but they would say, I just saw this video in the recommendations. And I clicked on it because I like Lionel Hutz or whoever it was about. And, and then they say that they started watching The Simpsons afterwards. It kind of like rekindled their interest in the show. And I just think that's so cool that like people that. that people like I just do it because I just really enjoy The Simpsons. I want to talk about it. But the fact that people are like rediscovering the show through some random YouTube video, I think is awesome. Oh, yeah. Like I, I love it when people tell me things like that, because like I don't. Like I said, I'm I'm downplaying it in the sense that like I'm just making YouTube videos. They're making the episodes. They're making what makes The Simpsons The Simpsons. But if like my little discussion about it can bring someone to something I enjoy so much, that's really cool. I think I I love it when people tell me that. Absolutely, and and you know I will say too, I've been very lucky uh, running Bart of Darkness uh, and, and posting my collection for the last you know six seven years, however long it's been at this point. I, you know, I feel lucky that there's people that say like, you know, you reminded me of something I had as a kid and it really made me want to go find mine or it really made me want to watch the show again. Or I haven't thought about this in so long, but seeing what you posted. So, you know, I also like when, when people reach out and say things like that, it sort of reminds you why you do it. You know, like you do it for personal reasons, but you also, the fact that people find something in it is very special. And you know, what inspired you to start doing these videos other than just loving the show? Because I know in the beginning, uh, they were 60 seconds. I know in the very beginning, you weren't making really long videos. Uh, so what made you decide to make videos about The Simpsons? Uh, so this kind of just started as a creative outlet um, because like I just had a regular job at the time and like everyone who has just regular day jobs, they realize that in the evening, sometimes they'll have like maybe an hour maybe two hours sometimes in the evening where they just don't have much to do. Maybe you spend it watching TV or playing video games or whatever. And I just needed a creative outlet for myself. So I compare the YouTube channel to people who like learn how to paint in their garage, for example, (laughs) where um, I was like looking around and like this was like when people like the Nostalgia Critic was like becoming really popular, you know, and that kind of review style was going on. And I was like, I wonder if I could make a video where I just talk about The Simpsons because I really enjoy The Simpsons. I feel like I have something to say about it. Um, and I, like I mentioned earlier, there just wasn't any... Maybe there was Simpsons content on YouTube. I really don't want to dismiss anybody who was doing it before me because there probably were. I just I just don't know what was going on back then. But there wasn't much out there. And I was like, right. this is a show that's, that's so awesome that it should be talked about. So it kind of became a creative outlet. Um, some of it was just... I kind of wanted to challenge myself, too, because I'm kind of a taciturn, quiet person. Like, I don't put myself out there a lot, you know? Um, so I thought it would be good for me to try something 
Well, I feel like I'm getting really personal right now, but I felt like... <laughs> Yo, get personal. I, I actually like getting personal on here. <laughs> okay. I was like, we're only like 15 minutes in and I'm like spilling my guts about my, my personal story. But um, but I did think that it would be good for me to just try to put myself out there more and like just try to make something creatively. Um, so it kind of came about at that. Um, I also kind of felt like that the relationship between The Simpsons and its fans is kind of weird in a way, in that, like, it didn't have, a like, a great relationship in the past with, like, the Itchy and Scratchy and Poochie show, like, back in those days, like, the alt-TV Simpsons stuff. And sure. The Simpsons loves making fun of their fans. Like, since then, the relationship has been, like, much warmer. Like, the, the producers are just awesome with the fans, and the fans are nice to the producers. But I felt like there wasn't, like, that great of a relationship between the fans and The Simpsons. So I wanted to create a channel that wasn't, like, super negative and comic book guy about the show where like I can say negative opinions about the Simpsons because there are episodes I think are just garbage. <laughs> I don't want to say that in, 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 in a show called the Simpsons is greater than, but there are just episodes that I think are bad, but I wanted to approach the show in like more of a constructive way. It's like, if I'm going to review a bad episode, I want at least like, you know, the writers tried putting effort into this, you know, so you should at least give them a fair shake of what were they going for? Why doesn't this work? How could it work better? Like, kind of just try to bring like, I don't know, like a middle ground road or something like that, or at least try <laughs> to be objective or say when you're being biased. I don't really know where I'm going with it, but I didn't really well, like it, it was it was probably funny when they wrote it. It was probably funny on the page. And it just didn't come together. Yeah, exactly. And, like, nobody goes out to make a bad Simpsons episode, so you should at least, if you're reviewing it, like, give them, like, a fair shake, you know? Um, so I didn't really like how, like, the conversation about The Simpsons was. Like, I don't know if you follow, um, if you heard about that that blog that was going around, Dead Homer Society. Have you, have you heard about yeah. that one? Yeah, totally. like, they're, they're, like, notoriously a very negative blog where, like, every episode is, like, they call it, like, behind us forever is what they would say. And and I was like, like, I get it. Like, there is an, there is an appeal for, like, every Simpsons episode is bad and, like, is without redemption or whatever. But, like, I just didn't like that kind of tone around the show. Even if, like, even if some of their episodes are bad, like, some of their episodes are just forgettable and some of them are good, you should at least, like, talk about them with, with some sense of nuance, I think, so... I like to ask people that do stuff like that. I'm like, okay, well, what? how many shows have you created Yeah, <laughs> that went on for 700 episodes? <laughs> and I guess to some degree, like, you don't have to create a show to have an opinion about a show. Like, everybody can evaluate art. I guess we should say that. Like, I can say that, like, my breakfast, my eggs were not good, even though, I, even if I can't make <laughs> eggs, for example. Um, but, right. but yeah, like, especially, like, you know, when you become an adult and you're just, like, working a job, you think to yourself... How would I like it if somebody, if you were an accountant and somebody, and like you like made like a bad cash flow statement or whatever, and people were like, oh, this cash flow statement is bad, and then you hear about it for like the next five years, you know, like <laughs> you wouldn't like that. So like you can review and say something negative, but at least like you know, kind of try to put it in like I don't know an understandable perspective. I don't know where I'm going. With sure. This. <laughs> no, well, it, it, I will say you know it's like I, I think it's more fun to find ways to appreciate low points in something that you love as much as The Simpsons. I mean, I say this all the time, and I think people get it twisted. Uh, I do not think every episode of The Simpsons is good. Like, I would be, it would be absurd of me to say that, but I know that even the ones that are bad, there's probably a reason that it's bad. I mean, there's a lot of steps to making an episode. I'm willing to bet that when that script was written, when it was rewritten, when the jokes were pitched, a lot of it was funny, and sometimes it just doesn't come together. And if you don't like it, watch the next episode and see how you feel. It's not as simple as, oh, this episode's bad, so that means from here on out, it's bad. That sort of attitude, especially when you claim to love a show, to me, I just can't, I can't relate to that. I just have a hard time uh, getting with that. Yeah, it's like the broad strokes kind of thing kind of gets on my nerves a little because there are eras of the show that I don't like as much as others. For example, I've never been a big fan of the Mike Scully seasons. I'm sure you hear that from fans, you know. But like even I, like even though that's my personal least favorite and this is a personal opinion, other people are going to be different. Um, even though I don't enjoy those seasons as much, there are still good episodes in there. Like I wouldn't dismiss the whole era as being 
bad episode, bad episode, bad episode, bad episode. Like, you can look at it more in detail. Like, it's kind of crazy to think that people would argue that, like, you have a team of professional writers for 20 years has never made a <laughs> single good Simpsons episode. Like, that would be... That would just be amazing if somehow yeah. they could just pull that off. Because, like, just statistically, you'd think you'd write at least one good episode. So I feel like there's yeah. something wrong with that premise, right? Absolutely. It's nonsense. And I will say, uh, anyone that's new to the podcast that's coming in on this episode, slide on back to episode seven uh, with Mike Scully. And, I mean, he'll tell you, like, there he knows that in certain seasons you allow yourself some bad episodes that just don't come together. And I think he has a great perspective on that. Um but, you know, you, we talk about how much you like the show, Jim. I want to know, what is your personal history with the show? Like, when did you start watching the show? Were you a day one? Uh, I was not a day one person. Um, it The show came out when I was pretty young, to be honest. Um, and my parents, my parents were kind of conservative about, like, what they allowed us to watch. Um, my earliest memories are probably somewhere around seasons two or three. I vaguely recall watching the B plot of Lisa Substitute with Bart mm. and the election. I like like the scene of one for Martin, two for Martin is stuck in my <laughs> head somewhere. Like maybe I think when you're little, like you gravitate toward Bart storylines. Um, the episode that I remember distinctly watching all the way through is probably a separate vocations from season three, which is another mm. Bart and Lisa episode. Just because I remember that whole sequence of them opening the lockers. And then playing the Axel Foley's theme. Like, I feel like when you're mm -hmm. a kid, you like, like music gets stuck in your head, I guess. But I was like, oh, listen to this cool music. And they're like, <laughs> they keep slamming open and open and open and closing the lockers over and over again. So I really remember watching that one. Um, but then just over the years, as I just grew older and older, it just kind of just became like a weekly thing where I just watch it uh, week after week after week. I very vividly remember watching seasons five through eight, I think. And then when I was in high school, I would start missing episodes because I was like on band trips and things like that sometimes. So I did fall off a little bit. Um, but then uh, when I was in college, I uh, I kind of picked up the show again because um, I would catch it on syndication or um, I don't know if I should say this, but uh, one of my friends <laughs> for uh, my birthday, he ended up um, he ended up basically ripping a whole bunch of Simpsons episodes onto uh, those uh, DVDRs. Yeah. I really, I really feel like I'm like dating what era this was of people just ripping <laughs> some episodes. But he gave me like the first 15 seasons on these DVDs or whatever, and uh, and I just watched them a whole bunch. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. Um, so yeah, that was my kind of story. I didn't really become a super duper fan of The Simpsons until one Christmas when my parents got me the season three DVD. Oh yeah, it was just kind of on a whim. I didn't ask for it. They just thought, oh, James likes <laughs> The Simpsons. We'll get him this DVD. And then when I when I watched it, I don't know if you remember like how TV shows on DVD were, but you're like, oh, what a novel concept. I can watch these episodes whenever I want, you know. Um, but then I discovered the world of DVD commentaries. Oh, yeah. Which I was like, oh, my gosh, I can listen to Al Jean and Mike Reese, like discuss their process of like how they wrote the show. It was it was like my first almost podcast experience, you know. Yeah. Um, so after that, I was like, wow, I, I just got to get more and more involved. So I started posting on message boards and, and discussion boards all over the place and just one thing left to another and started the YouTube channel. Yeah, that snowballed from there. I think, you know, I, I've heard this joke made on other podcasts, but commentary is definitely uh, on those DVDs. It's like, it's like, you know, podcasting before podcasting. Uh, was really popular. Like it's, there's so much good info and nuggets in those. And I know a ton of people that have the DVDs that have probably never watched them with commentary. And let me tell all of you, you're missing out. They're very funny. Uh, you've probably heard me say in other episodes of this podcast, like, oh, I've heard you say on the commentary, like there's a great story that I made Tim Long tell in an episode about something I heard in the commentary. So you're going to find all sorts of little nuggets that even some of these people have probably forgotten that they said or that happened. And there's a lot of really funny stuff in there. So I recommend that to everybody. Um, but I, I want to put the focus back on your YouTube for a second, Jim. And I want to know, uh, so we talk about you making 60 second videos early on and you were sort of getting into this process. How, how quickly did you realize I need to keep doing this? Like how quickly uh, did it catch on to where you were like, oh, this might be something I can just start doing? It did kind of like sneak up on me because I think I was doing the 60 second videos because like I just didn't have as much time as getting my feet wet, you know, 
Um, it wasn't until I think I did a top 10 video on Futurama episodes, I think. And that video ended up doing really well. I think I came out like during like the last couple weeks of the Comedy Central run, like they were having their mm. finale soon. Um, and that ended up doing like 100,000 views, um, which wow. was like, which was like, like normally I was getting like maybe 5,000 views, you know, on stuff. Um, so I was like, like, wow, like this could be a thing. <laughs> um, and then like, and people were saying you should do longer form content. Um, so I started doing the Simpsons mysteries videos. Um, like I did one about the uh, Springfield's location first, and then I did the Bart sells a soul mystery um, and then started doing who shot Mr. Burns ones. And I guess just because of the way the YouTube algorithm works was that it really likes watch time and like the longer videos. Um, so as I started making those videos, they started doing better and better in the views and stuff. And it was more motivating to keep doing it. Um, sure. One of the things I struggled with as a creator was, though, like this is going to sound really corny, but I'm like <laughs> a big hippie in a weird way. And that um, like for some reason, I didn't really want to run ads on the videos because this was just... Ah. This was just me painting in my garage. It's just for fun. It's just passion. You know, like I don't want to run ads. I think for like the first four or five years of the channel, I didn't run any ads. But then eventually, like people were like, it's not a big deal if you run ads. Like you're spending all this time on the video. Why not get a little bit of ad revenue? Like if people Absolutely. don't want to watch ads, they'll just block them, which I'm totally fine with. Like go ahead and block them. Like don't tell, don't tell <laughs> Google that I said this, but they can block them if they want. Um, so like I started running ads and then it just kind of snowballed and snowballed. Like, like people started really enjoying the Simpsons histories videos about the character breakdown. And I started enjoying like writing those. So it kind of like shifted from like a review oriented channel to like kind of a lore oriented channel in a weird way. Yeah. Um, because that seemed to be what people wanted to see. And I did enjoy writing about characters and character arcs more in a weird way. Um, also, I kind of feel like I'm not the best reviewer in general. Like it's something I think I could probably work on maybe. I don't know. Um, well, a, a lot of the people that message me about you disagree. Uh, and also, like, I think it, it's it's funny to hear you say that about, you know, how you don't you didn't want to run ads uh, when my Instagram started getting a little more popular and there were people that wanted to send me stuff to post it, even if it was stuff that I wanted, uh, I just sort of felt weird about it. I was like, I don't want people to think that I'm just like, I started this account just to try to get free shoes. You know what I mean? Like I, I just, I felt weird about it and it took me a little while to get comfortable with that. So when you, when you're, when you're passionate about something you're doing and you care about it it's hard to like you know let go and, and be a part of the process sometimes it's hard yeah i think i think the other thing is the simpsons is so like punk rock in a way where it's like yeah. you know it's like screw all that stuff like forget money you know even though the simpsons is a very <laughs> capitalistic show like as behind sure. you will show <laughs> you know like i realize i'm being kind of i'm kind of it's kind of hypocritical you know but you're covering the simpsons and like ads are lame you know so um, right so yeah, it's it's one of these situations where like I just enjoy doing it as a fun hobby. I still do my day job and everything. People have asked me, they're like, "You should start a Patreon. You should start a Patreon." And I'm I'm continue to be resistant about it because I was like, the ad revenue is fine. I make money from my day job. Like I'm sure if I quit my job and started a Patreon, they would get more videos like more frequently. But you never know, like maybe if it becomes my full time job, I'm not going to enjoy it as much. And also, like, I'm just going to be hitting people up for money constantly. And like when money starts getting involved, things get weird and like you start owing people stuff. And like, I don't know, the whole thing gets weird immediately. So I kind of <laughs> like I kind of like that I can just go to my day job, do this on the side, like make a little extra money from YouTube and like it just be this fun thing on the side that I can just share with people. Well, I, I will say, Jim, that, you know, I've talked to a lot of creative people uh, that talk that say similar things about Patreon and they were really nervous to do it because they were like, well, if I do this, there's this expectation. And what if I don't live up to this expectation? Uh, but just, you know, being casually familiar with because you, you have so many videos, there's no way I'll ever catch up with all of them. But even the ones I've seen and just seeing the response and the, the way people interact with them, I definitely think you might be selling yourself a little short. I think you definitely could uh, have a successful Patreon. So, you know, maybe just reconsider. I think there's an audience for what you do. People clearly really like what you do and, uh, they probably just want to give you their money. So let them. 
Yeah, it is a weird situation where they're like, we want to give you money. And I'm like, no. So I don't know. Like part of me is just like, let's just be super casual. You have your money. I have my ad revenue. Like, like everything's fine. But yeah, I probably should like think about it some more. Nah, I'll, I'll, I'll let you off the hook. I won't pressure you, Jim, but just think about it, you know? Um, so, you know, we talk a lot about modern episodes and, and that's another thing that, uh, when I would get recommended your videos, people would say, I think you will really agree with Jim because you guys, uh, share similar views about newer episodes and you don't, you know, you both talk about how it's not fair to dismiss modern seasons outright, uh, that there's a lot of, you know, good episodes in them. And I saw a video that you did that was about, 20 modern gems in the Simpsons. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you actually had like, uh, you had some episodes submitted by Matt Selman and it was a really great list, a really great video. How big has social media been, or just like, you know, being able to reach out to people like Matt and have them get involved. How, how big has that been to your growing process with the YouTube? Um, well, first of all, like I'm like, kind of like I mentioned when I started the channel that I'm kind of a shy taciturn person by nature. So me like, you know, going into Matt Selman's DMs and being like, <laughs> hi, Mr. Selman, can you please submit a few episodes if you have time, <laughs> I guess. Like, I was like so sheepish about it. But like, all the Simpsons producers are so super cool with their fans. Like, Matt Selman Absolutely. is awesome. Like, every interaction I've had with him, he's been so supportive of the fans. Um, So, yeah, like, that is amazing that like, we have a vehicle like Twitter where that you can just reach out to like, Yardley Smith or Maggie Roswell on there or like Nancy Cartwright and sometimes they'll reply like I think Maggie Roswell retweeted like a mod picture I posted a while ago and and, like they're just they're just so cool because you know they're just people like you you know more than anybody from all these interviews that you know they they like the show like you like they're not going to growl at fans it's not like 1980 anymore you know uh (laughs) to be honest with my channel like I said like I don't really like approach people because I'm like kind of weird about that i don't know um but whenever i whenever i have had interactions with them they've been really supportive and awesome so like it's been great uh, i mean you've only been doing this for 10 years jim you can give yourself some credit <laughs> uh, i mean you know and you it, it is it's easier to talk to people than ever and that's you know it's it's easier to reach out to people you respect and admire and it's bizarre it's bizarre that sometimes it works uh i mean early into this podcast there were people uh, like Al Jean that were like, oh yeah, I'd be happy to come on, you know, would this day work? And it's hard not to respond and go, oh, wait, wait, are you serious? Like, you're really going to talk to me? Like yeah. my podcast doesn't even exist and you're down to be on it. Uh, so I encourage anyone, like if you're trying to make content, if you're trying to like put yourself out there and 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 give something back to the community or wh- whatever it may be, even if it's not Simpsons, uh, don't be afraid to use social media and make those connections. And if you don't abuse it, and if you're not an asshole, uh, you can generally, you know, find ways to collab with people you respect. And that's really, really cool. Uh, what do you think that's going to do for you moving forward? Like, what do you think, what do you expect your channel will be in 10 years? I would hope that in 10 years, I'm at least more organized and more polished. I guess I'll put it that way. Like, maybe I'll have a more, like, organized community around me because I don't really deal with all that stuff i was like i'm not gonna start a discord i don't have time for discord like if you guys want to be in a discord you can it's not really like i don't have time to be in like a chat room basically but do things like that basically it's really hard i mean i i make this joke a lot but i'm in several discords uh at least in spirit and sometimes i will randomly pop in and and be like hey how's it going everybody you know but it's hard i mean making content is hard everybody what jim does takes a lot of time uh, and building a community around that uh, is also hard. And that's something that I struggle with. I give myself too much to do. Uh, so, you know, that's that's all relatable. And I'm sure everybody listening can feel that as well, even in life. So to, to give you a bit of a peek behind the curtain, like I don't think because we all watch YouTube regularly, like we just watch video after video after video. But you don't really think about like how long videos take sometimes. And it is quite a grind I've discovered, like from having this channel, like I'm not going into a poor me situation, but one of the reasons why I'm not organized is because like, 
you know, part, part of this is just because I still have my job, but you know, like you, it kind of has to stay in the back of your head, these ideas that you're working on. And then like, you know, portioning like a five hour block on like a Saturday to basically like sure. turn out some editing, you know? So it is kind of a grind, this constant like YouTube, just go, 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 go. Uh, the YouTube algorithm is set up in a way where like it punishes creators really hard if they stop making videos for like an extended period, you know, or if you make a video that like that the YouTube algorithm doesn't like, for example, like you just get in their doghouse for like a month, you know, <laughs> and that's one of the things I've struggled with as a creator in that like I just do this for a fan project. Like I'm not doing this for clout and um, right. Like, I feel like I'm being, like, such a phony by saying, like, anytime someone says they're not doing something for clout, everybody is, like, being cynical at home, being like, yeah, sure, Jim. Um, but, like, I'm not doing it for views, so to speak. I'm just doing, like, whatever just interests me at the time, whatever topic I'm interested in. Um, but in the back right. of my head, I know that YouTube likes a certain kind of video more than another kind of video. So maybe I should do those kind of videos instead. So YouTube is kind of a weird grind I've discovered from doing this channel. Like, like when you watch a YouTube video, there's a lot of effort behind the scenes put into it. Yeah, I mean, algorithms are, are impossible to figure out anyway. And also, my time management is garbage. Uh, I'm My time management is so bad because I also work a day job and I try to do all these things that I don't have time to do. And, you know, it's it's like and, and, and now I'm worthless because it's basketball season. Uh, maybe by yeah. the time people are hearing this, that's almost over. But, you know, I'm watching a lot of value. It's just hard for me to manage my time. Uh, but anyway, whatever. We, we won't complain about ourselves, Jim, because we're, we're, we're doing great. OK, we're doing wonderful. It's summertime. Uh, but what I want to know is <laughs> what I want to know is when you analyze HD era episodes, like, you know, I'm, I'm talking a lot about modern episodes because I, I think that is one of the reasons I have this podcast is just to, you know, break that stigma that there is a cutoff day. Uh, but when you make when you analyze HD era, so specifically last like 10, 11, 12 years, uh, what are the main tonal differences you notice? Like when you're doing reviews of episodes like that, what stands out to you as far as what separates them from the way older episodes might feel? Oh, that's a that's a good question. Um, I feel like sometimes in the tonal department, you can deter you can detect a different sense of joke telling, I guess is what I would say. Um, I would say that the modern seasons are a little more dense sometimes in terms of how the joke construction is, where like the negative side of that is that you would argue that jokes sometimes trip over each other. Like they run into issues where there are like three jokes within one jokes and they like, they don't right. quite line up. Some, uh, there are a little, there are a few more background gags. Like they love the Honestly, I, I find it kind of distracting, the, the background gag that's going on sometimes during <laughs> conversation. But I do find that Modern Simpsons is a lot more dense in terms of the joke telling. Um, I found that some of these modern seasons are a lot more, like, parry-driven. Like, they will go for the total homage for the whole episode. Like, they'll do an episode right. like The Book Job or Homer is Where the Art Isn't, where they're heist movies or parodies of, like, 1970s detectives novels and like i guess classic air episodes would do that to some degree maybe like 22 short films about springfield perhaps um but they wouldn't go for like the whole episode homage as much um so you get that a lot more often in the hd era i'm trying to think of other stylistic things i think from a storytelling perspective it's mostly the same in terms of how their plots are structured like they'll do the opening set piece that's unrelated sometimes um, like maybe more frequently in the in the modern era. Um, but, you know, they did that in the classic seasons, too, like the trampoline right. plot, for example. <laughs> um, so I think from a plotting perspective, it's not that different. Like I guess the big major thing, the big elephant in the room is the fact that there's like a fourth act now. There's that little like little extra bit on the end that they got to add on. But that's not the writer's fault. That's just what Fox gave to them, basically. Like, right. what, what, what do you think are, like, the modern, like, stylistic changes? So, so I'm, glad, I'm glad you asked. I mean, I, you know, the reason I like to ask someone like yourself that is because, you know, you are analyzing these in a way that, that even, you know, I might not be just as a weekly watcher. But I, I think, to me, like, I do believe that the story structure, kind of like what you said, is a lot more similar than people give it credit. I think when you take, you know... Uh, animation that almost looks too good for how simple the characters are. 
when you take that and you pair it with being able to do so much more with the animation, even if the story is very similar, I do think it might feel a little different uh, to people at times. Like I think just that one thing about it, like the the way the show looks can make some people more critical of the story. Uh, and there is an aesthetical, you know, people are tied to those early seasons for so many reasons, but I do think some people have a hard time letting go of just the look and the way that it changed. Uh, but I mean, again, the stories are bigger. They're often a little, you could say there's not as much heart at times, even though they do still pepper that back in. But, you know, I would argue that you still find, you still find episodes all the time that if they were made in the nineties in the old style, they would feel right at home. So I think people miss that because they, they're not willing to look at it that way. Yeah, you do kind of, when you watch some of the episodes, you do kind of have to catch yourself where you're like, well, this isn't like how I thought it would be. Like, this isn't like classic Simpsons. <laughs> you think cynically, you know, while you're furring right. your brows or whatever. I feel like I'm picturing <laughs> this like the Ratatouille critic right now. Right. <laughs> um, but like, but you do kind of have to catch yourself where you're like, if this episode were made in like 1996, if this plot were in 1996, would we really notice, assuming it like looked like all the other episodes? Like, I don't know, like your mind, like, I feel like one's expectations does play into your enjoyment of series sometimes. Just what you think about it going in will affect, like, even your mood to some degree. Absolutely. I remember, I remember on a commentary, uh, this is totally random, but uh, I think Josh Weinstein described how for the longest time he didn't enjoy the episode uh, Mr. Lisa Goes to Washington. And he thinks it was because he just watched it when he was in a bad mood, for example. So, so, I, so I like I think Bill Oakley reminded him. I don't even think Josh rem- remembered that story on the commentary. But um, yeah, great. I feel like when you're watching these modern episodes, like I don't mean I don't mean to say that you got to put yourself in the right mindset to watch it, but you kind of just have to like go zen and clear your expectations of like what you're about to watch. Because like who knows? Like maybe the episode won't be good. You know, like there are bad episodes still in the modern era. Um, but sure. like, I feel like if you just get rid of some of that baggage, there's too much baggage associated with the Simpsons and like, that's just going to happen. The show has been on for 32 years. You're going to compare like when they do that episode where like Lisa has a friend who's a Republican, you're going to compare that episode to all the other episodes where she had a friend, like, like Allison Taylor or when, um, or when Alex from Lord of the Dance was like, you're going to compare them all together in your head. And I guess right. to some degree that's natural, but you do have to just block out some of that baggage and just evaluate it for what it is. Yeah. And I, and I mean, you know, if you watch, uh, <laughs> for some reason, whenever I talk about a classic episode lately, I only think of Bart's Comet. I'm really obsessed with Bart's Comet again lately. <laughs> I don't know why. It's a good one to be obsessed with. It's just a perfect episode. Some of the best jokes ever the show did. But if you watch Bart's Comet or if you watch, you know, Homer the Great uh, or King Size Homer, and then you go watch, let's say, you know, Eternal Moonshine of the Simpson Mind, you might not understand, like, you might feel very differently about the tone of those episodes. Or, you know, you might watch any modern episode. You might watch, you know, uh, Now Museum, Now You Don't. And right after watching a classic, and you, you're like, oh, see, it's so different. Well, that's a lot of time in between those episodes. And I do, I, I like what you said, but I also think it is okay to like go in with the right mindset because you almost have to treat them not like different shows, but you have to like know what you're watching. Like you cannot, you cannot directly compare them, even though they might at times feel very similar. They're, they're just anything, anything that's been around that long is going to make you feel differently at different times. Yeah. I really worry about that, that that phenomenon of like hate watching things or watching (laughs) things because you feel obligated to watch it because you just have to watch them all, you know, like, I feel like that's when you get in trouble where you're clearly not enjoying yourself. You're just going through the motions. So why not just take a break away from it for a while and come back later or, or maybe don't come back later. Maybe you've had your (laughs) fill of the Simpsons after 29 seasons instead of 32, you know, but like if you're reaching a point where like, it's just not doing anything for you, then like do something else. Like, like nobody's going to like, I, I would never judge you as a fan if you only watch the first 29 of 32 seasons and say that you're a lesser fan than me because you didn't watch the last three seasons. Like, <laughs> like I feel like that's just gatekeeping at that point. Right. Um, so like, yeah. if you're not having a good time, then just watch something else. I feel like the writers would feel similarly. Like they don't want people to just like light up their Twitter and like, 
Well, they definitely don't want that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but they don't want people like watching the show if they're not having a good time. So like, right. I gotta be, I gotta be honest with you. This is a really like, I hope people don't unsubscribe from my channel now. But I haven't watched all of season 32 yet. I've only watched maybe like seven episodes from this past season. Uh, part of it is because I'm constantly every day looking at Simpsons content and like just fitting in watching The Simpsons is sometimes not ideal. But like some of it is just like, you know, eventually I'm just going to be in the mood to just watch them all on Hulu. You know, I'm just going to be in the right mindset. I'm not going to be tired from these Simpsons videos, you know. I'm like I I like how I'm saying like I'm just tired all the time but you know like I'm not going to be exhausted by whatever topic I'm just staring at all day like um so right. yeah you got to put yourself in the right mindset with these modern shows I think yeah. And also, I mean, you know, season 32, I really, really enjoyed. I did actually, you know, I did fall behind the last like two or three weeks. So I watched those all at one time and that's okay. You know what I mean? It's, I, everybody go easy on Jim. That's okay. It happens to everybody <laughs> who watches TV live anymore. Anyway, I mean, yeah. other than sports, you know, who does that? Uh, well tell me, Jim, uh, what are some, and this is a new thing that I'm bringing into the podcast. I like to hear this from people that come on. Uh, what are some unpopular opinions that you have, like, I mean, we seem to agree on a lot of stuff, but what what is something that when, that you get into arguments with about people? Like, you you feel strongly about a thing, or maybe you hate a beloved character, uh, anything like that that you can think of. Okay, well, I, I think the earliest one that I discovered, and part of it was just how I approached the subject. This is partially my fault, but I was <laughs> a detractor of the episode uh, "The City of New York" versus Homer Simpson in season mm. nine. Um, I think I opened that sixty second review by saying I hate this episode. Oh man. Which was probably not ideal. I got a lot of thumbs downs, <laughs> I think. <laughs> yeah, I think I was looking for trouble on that one. Um, but I have kind of like evolved a little. I think when I did my top ten of season nine, I had it like sixth or seventh place. I've 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 had my come to Jesus moment with that episode. <laughs> but uh, but I'm never going to be as high on it as other people because I just don't enjoy watching Homer suffer through that episode that much. Like um I feel see I feel like I'm starting a feud here again but No, I mean, I've heard worse. <laughs> I feel like Homer's suffering isn't like presented in a way where it makes that interesting of a point. It's kind of the like no good terrible bad day kind of plot and I feel like I feel like if it would have been a structured way a better way if it was about Homer's expectations versus reality mm -hmm. or something like that it'll be more interesting. Like as is, it's just kind of a slog of him just being shit on the whole time. Pardon my French. <laughs> um I don't know if this is a cursing podcast or whatever. No, curse all you want. I don't give a fuck. Okay. <laughs> I just got the explicit tag on this podcast. Uh so that's one uh, opinion I have. The other the other hot take is probably that I'm not the biggest uh season five guy. Um, mm. I like season five, um, but I think I would put seasons probably three, three, four, six, seven, and eight better than it. Like it's kind wow. of one of my lower se uh, seasons. And I think that's more of a, just a personal taste thing because I love season six. I think season six is my second favorite season probably at this point. Um, but I feel like season six is just like the evolved version of season five. Like it does everything season five does, but in like a more balanced way. Like season five is full of these episodes like Homer the Vigilante and Bark It's an Elephant and like these really heavy plot gag driven episodes. And that's really great if you love that kind of episode. Like, yeah. like I'm not going to knock anybody whose favorite season is season five because some people love that kind of story. For, but for sure. me personally, like my tastes are, I like it. I like seasons like season seven and season six and season three. Um, like I, I like it a little schmaltzier, a little, a little more balanced. Whereas season five is just relentlessly gag driven. Uh, so I've never been yeah. as high on season five as other people. Wow. Yeah. You know, you had that changing of the guard, as they say, David Merkin coming in, uh, definitely a lot of new people on that season. Uh, I think the fact that it's as good as it is, I've said this on the show before. I think the fact that it's as good as it is with all that changed is special in its own right. But I do agree. Six is better. I would argue, I think seven and eight are better too. So I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm actually with that take Jim. Oh, okay. There. So I really got to think of something <laughs> uh, really, uh, really, uh, hot. Hell, here's, here's a, here's a hot take that I like, classic Simpsons fans will hate, but Shauna Chalmers is a good character and people should stop giving her crap. Like she is hey. a funny character. People are like, Oh, Shauna, she's dumb and annoying. Like, I feel like I'm doing a Shauna impression right now, but like, <laughs> I think it's cool that they added this like teenage girl character to hang out with Jimbo. And like, it gives Chalmers an extra thing to do. Like she has her shtick, the whole, 
I'm I'm Shauna thing. Like I'm doing a terrible yeah. impression right now. But like <laughs> Shauna is a very funny character, and people should like her. So yeah. Those are those are really good. Those are good hot takes, Jim. Uh, I'm not going to give mine because everybody knows them by now. So I mean that there are. I think it's interesting to see what people dislike, and this is such a you know a, a positive Simpsons podcast. I I, I make a lot of excuses uh, for some of the lower points, uh, but I do like to hear like I love when people. Uh, hate a beloved episode. Like I love when people hate a beloved character or when they don't think something works that everyone else loves. And uh, I like exploring that. I do. Oh, I, I just thought of one more. So, sorry to interrupt you. Uh, so, you know, that episode where the big brother, big, the big brother episode from season four um, with Tom. Mm-hmm. Okay. Here's my hot take. That episode doesn't work because uh, Tom Cruise uh, shut them down. They had to get Phil Hartman. <laughs> my hot take is that my hot take is that Phil Hartman is miscast in that role and it kind of drags mm. down the episode. Interesting. So, I love Phil Hartman. He's awesome, but I don't think the episode really works with that voice in the role. So that, that, I mean, that's interesting. I actually, you know, haven't thought about it in that way. I'm, I'm always game for a Phil Hartman voice, but I would like to see what that, cause I mean, the way he plays that character, uh, I guess when you bring it up, I do sort of see what you're saying. It's not really, it doesn't actually personify the character you see on screen. The voice doesn't really feel the way the character feels. So that's interesting. Yeah, so that's my, that's my last hot take. And it's a Phil Hartman one. So that's, that's really going to go over well. <laughs> Yeah, that's a little spicy. So watch your watch your email on that. Uh, so we're going to move into the big three, which is uh, three questions that I ask pretty much every guest, especially people not from the show. Uh, and uh, I actually recently changed one of them. The last episode, I retired one. And uh, so now we have a new big three or at least big two and a new whatever. You guys get it. So the first one is favorite character and why? Okay, I see. I knew you were going to ask this question because I watched, <laughs> I listened to last week's episode. Uh, so my favorite character is probably Bart, I think, which is probably like a less popular opinion these days. I feel like people. I think prefer, it is. Yeah, I think people prefer Homer and Lisa these days more often. I feel like Bart's got kind of left behind. Um, <laughs> I, th- I think some of this is just me growing up as you know a boy when I was little and connecting to the Bart episodes. So there might be some like bias from when I was younger. But I, I think what I am really drawn to with Bart is that um is that with his stories, he's such a troublemaker that I feel like Bart's stories work really well because there's it's always kind of up in the air whether or not he's gonna do the right thing in the end. I think it's always a right. big question. One of the things I struggle with Lisa episodes, like I really like Lisa. I I make it a point to not bash her too much because the internet is weird about Lisa sometimes. Um, but like her episodes, I don't connect with as much because I kind of believe that Lisa will do the right thing in the, in the end, because I don't know, maybe I just respect Lisa more or I just, that's just how she's written. Um, like the episodes I really enjoy Lisa are like when she's having like interpersonal issues, like some are four foot two or Lisa's rival or things like that. Um, but with Bart, like he runs into episodes regularly where he has these big issues like Marge be not proud where like you don't know if he's going to do the right thing in the end like i fundamentally i fundamentally believe that Bart is a good kid at heart like he he's just a good kid but he just has that hellion streak in him and i think that dichotomy is really interesting in that like you have that push pull with him and i think his storytelling is is a little underrated sometimes like like one of the things I that really bugs me about some of the later seasons, not to go into neg- negativity, but I'm really <laughs> protective about how Bart is written sometimes because sometimes they write him almost as if he's like sociopathic in a way, you know. Right. And I just and I really bristle at the idea that like Bart doesn't have like a moral center to him. Um, maybe yeah. I like too many of those sugary bar- episodes with Bart, like Radio Bart and stuff like that. <laughs> um, no, nah, that, that's well said. That's well said. So, yeah, I really like the dichotomy between like the like he's the character that can do anything, like kind of say what the audience is thinking, you know. But I think deep down he is a good kid and he will do the right thing in the end. And there's a lot of good dramatic tension with those kind of Bart episodes. Nah, that's you know, I have to agree with you on that. I mean, I, I do generally say Lisa is my favorite character, uh, which she wasn't always. There were times in my life where I when I didn't actually care much about her character. Uh, but I do agree about Bart. I do think that at, at his core, he is a good kid. I don't think he's actually that good at being bad. My listeners have heard me say this before. Uh, but also, you know, you talk about Marge be not proud. And I don't know if I've actually said this officially on the podcast, but in my opinion, that's the best episode of The Simpsons. Oh, wow. Nice. 
That's a good one. I think I think I think it is I think it is perfect from start to finish. Uh, so, and I always tell people like, you know, there are people that are negative about Mike Scully, uh, but he wrote Marge Be Not Proud, which is about something that actually happened to him. And it's a perfect fucking episode. I just want to stress it's yeah. a perfect episode. And I've watched it a million times. I watch it every Christmas. Uh, and it's just, it's perfect. So it's, it's uh, that's so as funny. good as it it's, gets. It's so funny. You just said that because I, you, I literally said that exact same thing in my Lisa's rival review that I just did recently, where I was like, like Lisa's rival is the first episode that Mike Scully wrote, you know? And I said, I can see with the sugar plot, some of his later seasons, you know, but like my stance is that Mike Scully wrote Marge be not proud. So Mike Scully can do whatever he wants, in my opinion. Like, yeah. I don't like it. Like, I am negative about his season sometimes, but I will always love Mike Scully, partially because he's just a really funny guy. Like, like when he shows up on, on, on Parks and Recreation, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's Mike Scully. You know, I love Mike Scully. Like, so, like, yeah. but he wrote Marge be not proud. And, like, that is super awesome. Such a good episode. Yeah. I love you, Mike. Just, just so you know. Uh, so, least favorite character and why, Jim? Um, I think of like the major people. I think I'm going to go with Gil. I've never been ah. a Gil, I have never <laughs> been a Gil guy. Like I've seen Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. I like Jack Lemon. It's a good movie. Like people who haven't seen it, you should see it. It's really good. Um, not just the Alec Baldwin scene. See the whole movie. Um, yeah. But like his shtick is very one note. Um, I get a little like it's very cloying. It's it's a little tiresome. Like. I, I'm trying to separate the fact that he did replace like Lionel Hutz with the lawyer roles, you know, like that realty bites is really the uh, two, sh- two boats passing each other kind of episodes. Um, but like Gil's cloying nature, like they just don't do that much interesting with him. It's just always the same thing over and over and over. It's just so cloying. doesn't really do it for me. Yeah, no, that's, I think you're the second person, if I'm not mistaken to say Gil. So I'm, I'm, that's wild. I, lo- I love Gil. In fact, I recently made a bit of a list. Uh, anyone that follows Bart of Darkness, I did one of those like, hey, I'm watching basketball. I'm up late. Ask me a question type things. And uh, one somebody asked me like, hey, you've been talking about a list of great modern episodes. You know, where's it at? And so I was like, all right, well, you know, I know I've been saying that I will do it. But here's a few. And I actually put Kill Gil volumes one and two on that list as one of my like favorites in the modern era. Uh, so I, I do like Gil, but I think that's a good take. I, I don't, I'm not mad at that take either. Okay. Yeah. I feel like people beat up on Gil a lot. So I kind of regret saying that cause it is kind of a basic take, you know, like, no, like I, I mean, it's not like, it's not like I picked principal Skinner or something, you know? <laughs> well, that, I, I would end the podcast if you did that. Okay, um, well, I so, <laughs> all right, uh, Jim, give me, give me your top three favorite episodes or just three that you really like. I know that's really hard to do, but, but give it a, give it a shot. Oh my gosh, you're like ruining my future content if I ever do a top 10 overall <laughs> season kind of thing. You can just oh. give me three you love then. <laughs> I just realized I forgot to mention that I do season ret- retrospectives on the channel, like one season at a time. So, And I do a top 10 list for every season that I do. So I feel like I've kind of spoiled some of it because I clearly <laughs> have a number one from every year. Right. Uh, so if I had to give you like a kind of a general top three, I like spoiler word, spoiler alert for everyone at home. <laughs> um, but I think I would put um, Bart Sills a Soul up there for sure. That was number one from season seven. Um, I already mentioned that I'm a big sucker for Bart, and that's like the Bart, like like emotional Bart episode. I think aside from Marge so being up proud, season seven is good yeah. for that. Um, I had Marge being up proud at number two, by the way. So I'd have Mar- Bart Sills a Soul. That's just such a good exploration. Like he just goes through the ringer in that episode. Just love that one. Oh yeah. Um, and then I would also probably put up there uh, Homer at the Bat. Just relentlessly funny episode just so silly i love mr burns so much like the fact that they got all those baseballers in that episode and they don't ruin the episode like they're not distract well they are distracting but they just have so much fun with them like like the the episode should be just a mess like the whole third act is just (laughs) just nonsense you know mr burns just tease it up that nonsense is happening but it's just so good just funny for from start to finish so, uh, so I put that up there too. And then probably for a third, I would probably go with uh, Cape Fear. Let's go with another uh, gag heavy episode. Um, I guess like when I come to like my favorites, I go for like the like super sugary saccharine episodes. And then I go for like the super gag heavy episodes and like yeah. Sideshow Bob and those rakes and everything about that episode. Like I saw the episode Cape Fear before I saw the movie and, and, it, and it works even without seeing the movie. It's just just so good. Yeah, Cape Fear has has easily, you know, a top 
three Simpsons joke for me. Anyone that doesn't think the scene where Homer barges in uh, and tries to give Bart a brownie, <laughs> if anyone that doesn't think that's one of the funniest things to ever be on television, uh, I, I feel bad for you because it's it's literally perfect. That'd be near the top for me too. I love Cape Fear. So good. Yeah, that's that's one I remember watching when I was little. Like that that whole Homer Thompson sequence is just etched into my brain from when I like, first watched it. It's so good. Yeah, put that episode in a time capsule. Uh, put it in some protected box so if one day aliens ravage this planet and they find it, they will get to appreciate that episode. It's 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 so good. Um, so obviously, you know, a large part of why I started a podcast is because of my collection. It's because of my presence online. Uh, I'm curious, Jim, did you, uh, have much, uh, Simpsons merchandise as a kid? Did you ever collect anything or have some shirts or any of that? Um, I didn't have a ton of Simpsons collectibles, to be honest. Uh, like, like my collect, like my collection, it's just like nothing compared to yours. Yours is just amazing. <laughs> Look at all that stuff behind you. Ah, thank um, you, Jim. Appreciate that. Like I, I never really like. We never had a like. I never had a lot of like extra money because like I would get like birthday presents and like Christmas gifts, you know. But I like most of my money is going to like Super Nintendo games and stuff. Uh, so I just didn't have that much money to buy Simpsons merchandise. <laughs> um, as I became older, now that I have an income, I guess I could buy more Simpsons things. But I think from watching my parents accumulate things, like I think there's something in my DNA that's like that's kind of a hoarder. So by not buying things, I can try to stave off some of that hoarder atmosphere. Um, <laughs> I will tell you, though, you know, because you've been looking at my Twitter um, post that I have started collecting some of the Simpsons comic books lately. Uh, so Absolutely. that has been a new thing for me. So that's been really fun. Like, I actually kind of wish that I did buy the comics when I was little. Like, there's no reason not to. Like, how how expensive were they? Like two bucks back then? Yeah, and and also like I'm curious, you know, we talk about the episodes a lot. How are you feeling about the comics as sort of a companion piece to the show? They've been really interesting. Like they're obviously written in a different way. They're um like they they're like geared more toward younger viewers, you know, um or younger readers. Like like the first comic book shop that I went to, like the first time I'd ever gone shopping for comics ever, uh, I asked where the Simpsons comics are, and he's like. Oh, that's in the younger reader section. And it was like right next to like the Sonic the Hedgehog comics. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is really weird. Um, so they are kind of geared for like younger readers, I think. Um, but like they still are really interesting. Like I read one recently about like Lisa and Martin in a uh, poetry competition, which was pretty interesting. They're like almost like like the extended universe of The Simpsons, where they're like right. these random little stories. Uh, so I've really enjoyed just that different perspective, seeing a different set of writers. Also just enjoying the media because like, to be honest, I didn't really read comic books when I was little. I wasn't really into superhero stuff. Um, so sure. I just, I don't have that much experience just reading comic book panels. So it has been fun to just enjoy the art because one of the things that like it draws me to it is just, is that there's just so much art that Simpsons fans have just never seen before. And so many right. storylines because like they just watch the Simpsons as a TV show and then that's it. But you know, these artists and writers put a lot of effort into these many issues of the Simpsons comics. Um, so there's going to be some interesting stuff in there. So I've been having fun. Like I totally want to screenshot more random pictures because there are some really <laughs> funny panels like hidden in some of the comics I've read. Yeah. I, I've said for a long time and I, I'm, I'm on a mission to have all of the comics. I have hundreds of them right now, but I'm, I'm trying to fill gaps and it's hard because sometimes it's expensive to buy one-offs and things like that. You want to find them in bulk if you can. You get a better deal. You know, everybody knows that. But I, I think, you know, I've said this for a long time, that some of the best Simpsons art you will ever see is in those comics. I mean, you had incredible Simpsons artists, especially in the 90s. You had people like Bill Morrison uh, working on these comics. And Bill, you know, he did most of the art for so much of the merchandise that you love and know and some of the posters and advertisements and all these things that you know and he took his talents to start Bongo with Matt. And it's also worth noting that they didn't have the same rules that most Fox stuff had. Matt still owned the publishing rights. So they could kind of do whatever they wanted. And that's why you see them try different art styles. And they bring in artists from Marvel and DC to do one-off issues. And they, I mean, they really got to stretch their legs and do some really interesting stuff. So uh, I, I always tell people like, hey, like, the comics are worth collecting just for the art alone. They're worth looking into. They're worth learning about. Bongo was a really cool thing, and it lasted a lot longer than people think. 
And there's so many cool pieces of art that you haven't seen. So everyone should should hop on eBay or something and buy some of the comics. I, I encourage that. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna start like this uh, buying frenzy out there, right? So <laughs> everyone should, everyone should. Um, well, Jim, you know I've I've had an absolute blast uh, talking to you, man. I, I I could talk to you for for hours, and we'll just have to you know make plans to do this again sometime. Uh, before we actually hang it up, I mean, tell people again about the channel, plug whatever you want, shout out whatever you want, upcoming projects, and just tell people where to find you online. Okay, so uh, well, thanks again for having me on the show. I've had really fun time. Like, thank you again for inviting me. Like I said, I'm just a YouTuber. I don't work on The Simpsons, so I really appreciate everybody listening to like give me an hour of your time. I guess. See, now I sound like Gil. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, the channel is called The Real Gems. Uh, terrible channel name, but I do uh, content on The Simpsons. Uh, I'm currently working on a video about uh, Lisa and Martin, actually, uh, which is why I read that comic recently. Um, discussing whether or not they're friends or whether they hate each other or just what's the deal with these two because they're just like never together and what's up with that. Uh, so true. yeah, uh, so you should, I guess if this is coming out like three weeks from now, like you should have seen that maybe a couple weeks ago. Um, <laughs> but uh, other than that, I, I upcoming next, I think I'm going to be tackling season 11 of The Simpsons. Uh, so I got to start that rewatch, which is going to be a little rough because like secretly that's my least favorite season. So, ah man, I'm I'm sorry. I know if you like season eleven, that that's fine. I it, it doesn't do a lot for me. Well, let me let me let me drop an unpopular opinion that I don't think I've said on here, and this is going to get me some hate mail. Uh, before you finish your shout outs, as I interrupt you, uh, no, I ahead. think season eleven is better than season ten. Ooh, okay, we're gonna fight later. Yeah, that's something that people <laughs> don't like. They don't like to hear that, but I I feel that way. Yeah, but, anyway. but like I said, that's just a personal <laughs> taste thing. So yeah, season eleven is going to be coming out eventually. So I'm gonna. I don't know, like drink some scotch and watch season 11 or something. No, I'll probably, I, I'm sure I'm, I'm sure I'm going to enjoy it. I'm obviously playing this up right now. So I'll, I'm going to be, <laughs> I'm going to be philosophical about it. Like I usually am. So yeah. Go. So look forward to those projects and yeah, I'm just around. Also follow me on Twitter. I mostly post like funny screen caps of the thousands of screen caps that I have in Simpsons comics. So yeah, I'm around. There you go. Jim is around. Uh, again, go follow Jim on YouTube. Go follow him on Twitter. Go follow him on anywhere that you can find him and shoot him an email and remind him that he should start a Patreon. Uh, again, <laughs> shout out to Mike Costin for uh, encouraging me to have Jim on. I had a really good time. And as for me, as for Jim, I'll see you all next week. If you enjoyed this podcast, check out the official Instagram at Simpsons is greater than or follow me on Twitter at Simpsons is great. If you're curious about me or my Simpsons collection, just search for Bart of Darkness on Instagram and Twitter. Thanks again for checking this out. I'll see you next week.